Hi, you're listening to The Clash Podcast with myself, Tyler Pollard, and my co-host, Steve Liebzeit, a podcast bringing together two different generations of believers differing in age and experience, but sharing in the same Holy Spirit gifted to us through Christ Jesus. We hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to The Clash Podcast. My name is Tyler Pollard. I'm here with my co-host, Steve Liebzeit. Well, good morning, Tyler. Good morning, Steve. Uh, we're happy to have you guys here today. We're blessed to be able to do this podcast. Now, uh, Steve, why don't we start with you? Just go over your background and, you know, kind of a little bit how we met. Okay, sure. So I am 59 years old. Um, I have been in the finance and the wealth management world most of my life, um, but have, um, have done a number of really interesting things along that way. Um, but also along that way, I have um, had the benefit of being involved in a variety of churches, deeply involved in a number of different churches, and seeing all of the wonderful things that can happen um, through our church world, in our church world, and through our church world, as well as a lot of the things that are problematic and that um, we're seeing um, kind of proliferate out there in the church world. And so um, as, we, as we work through um, these discussions, I will try and bring um, a healthy perspective relating to both the positive and the negative side of our church world today. Yeah, and to go along with what Steve said, um, passionate about the same thing, you know, just wanting to help bring a revival of the Holy Spirit to the church and to give a little bit of background on my perspective uh, or myself. 24 years old, I recently came back to Christ in the last year after growing up a Christian. There was a time in my life where I got away from God. Um, now I'm going to school actually to get a degree in Christian ministry. And the way I met Steve was actually the funniest thing and just the most God story ever. Um, so Steve lives across the street from my grandma's house. I was backing out of my driveway three months ago and actually hit his car. And uh, I was on my way to work. It was early in the morning, so I couldn't really knock on the door or anything like that. But later that day, uh, when I went up to them, explained what happened, you know, Steve was, we exchanged the, exchanged the insurance information. And, you know, Steve's asked me questions about my life. And I eventually got to telling him that uh, I had recently come back to Jesus. And, you know, I was just really starting to put everything that I had into growing in my desire and my love for the Lord. And strengthening that and uh, he just smiled and just talked about his experience in the church and from there we've been meeting about once a week mentor Steve's been kind of mentoring me I've been discipling um, like his teaching and it's kind of grown organically into this podcast now and something me- oh sorry go ahead so but what makes this um, so unusual is our age differential and um, the fact that we uh, very quickly um, found um, common grounds and a bridge and um, uh, a bond through um, an authentic faith. And I don't think you mentioned how old you are, Tyler. That's an important part. 24. 24, gotcha. Now, <laughs> like you said, the age difference is a big part about this podcast and what we want to convey to our audience. And that's both something that I think we're passionate about and early on when you met, you conveyed to me kind of this problem that you saw in the church of like a separation between age groups, people your age and people my age growing together. So with that, yeah, go ahead. uh, I was going to say with that, um, the kind of the verse that we've taken on for this podcast is uh, first Timothy five, one rebuke, not an elder, but entreat him as a father and the younger men as brethren king james version now steve kind of talk a little bit about that um what that means to you and something that you've seen in the churches well you know let me preface it a a little bit i mean because in in bringing this into the context of our world today um we're just we're polarized at so many different levels so many different ways and so many groups are just at opposite ends of the spectrum um you know our thought here is is to really dive deeply into um into God's view of what our relationship should look like from generation to generation. And, um, and so 
so as Timothy is teaching us in, in this scripture, um, some basic fundamentals of what our, what our perspectives should be in our relationships between generations. Um, I think that there are aspects of this, I shouldn't say, I think I know that there are aspects of this topic that we can carry into every aspect of, or um, every different um, aspect uh, between different groups of, of people, be it um, male and female, uh, be it uh, racial difference, or be it age difference, or you know any number of, of differences uh, culturally. So, um, so I, I think that although you know Timothy is looking to provide a specific directive between generations, I think we um, we can apply this to um, to a much broader spectrum of challenges in our society. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of where we got the name The Clash. You know, um, you look at the differences between our generation and it's almost like a clashing of perspectives, a clashing of ideas. But in our mission statement, we have differing in age and experience, but sharing in the same Holy Spirit gifted to us by Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, and, you know, and we're, um, you know, it's, it's always, it's always good to kind of begin with the end in mind as far as any type of project. And so with this project, um, you know, our, our goal obviously is um, unity in the Holy Spirit between, between groups. And um, so, but, but the solution to our divisions and, and, and getting to that goal of unity is really going to take us to, um, to a whole other place. You know, it's, it's a focus on a much, much bigger picture than our interactions and our lifestyles and our cultural background and our age differences. And, um, and so that's, that, I would say that's overall, that is our primary mission here is um is to create that unity through the power of the holy spirit but it's going to mean looking at a much bigger picture as we go forward what are your thoughts on that tyler yeah you hit the nail on the head there and one thing that we've noticed in kind of preparing for this podcast and um eventually we want to transition this into web episodes and create just a big online ministry through this but you look at each different topic Uh, that we're going to be going into in these podcasts and on top of the clashing of how each generation is affected by these topics there's a clashing of ideas between what the world tells you about this topic and also what the bible tells you about this topic and we know that the bible is the absolute truth when it comes to everything so it's it's keeping our eyes on that that's important as well you know to overcome that clash yeah, beautiful point. Yeah, the Bible being our, our absolute truth. You know, in a world where as we, you know, as, as we open our, our minds and each day to turning on the TV or listening to, um, to the news on the internet, um, wherever we're getting our information, whether it's YouTube or mainstream media, or um, we all know with absolute certainty that there's an aspect or an element of what we're seeing and hearing that is just not true. Oftentimes, and and so I think a part of our stress and our angst in our society today stems from the question or the fact that we we have to question everything, and then even once we've questioned, we've tried to reason through and tried to discern what is true and what is not. We're still left not knowing, and and that is um, that's a very uncomfortable place to be in society, especially when we do have so much conflict and angst in our world today, and so to have the truth of the word, the truth of God's word before us, and to be able to rely on that is just absolutely priceless. And um, it is our source of comfort, um, our source of calm and peace in the storm of a world that's just spun up. And, um, and so grateful for that, but also um, we're here to, to help share some of the important teachings that we find in the Bible. Amen. And I think knowing that we have an absolute truth to lead us is the single thing that we can remain optimistic and take comfort in as we, you know, approach this problem in the church of uh, a big separation and gap between the two generations, knowing that we're not going to be the ones to solve this, Steve, you know, it's going to be 
the Lord and letting the Holy Spirit work through us to do that and having faith and trust in that. And that's something that we want to convey through all of our teachings and how you can apply to your own lives as well. You know, one of the wonderful things that you've brought um, to my, uh, to my understanding is what it's like, at least to some extent for me to understand what it's like to grow up in, um, in the social media world. You know, I mean, obviously in my generation, um, this came along quite late. Um, and, uh, and so I actually haven't really had an active Facebook ever, <laughs> so, but I'm familiar with it. And, um, and so that obviously is going to give me a distinctly different perspective. And so you've helped me understand a little bit better of what it's like to be weaned and brought up through the, through the age, um, the, the growing age, the tentative ages, um, with, uh, those types of, of influences. And I appreciate that. Um, so, do, you know, do you want to share a little bit about, um, how you think that has shaped your perspective on the world? Yeah, absolutely. So the first topic we're going to be covering today is, you know, what a identity in Jesus looks like and how that clashes between, what an identity in world terms is, what an identity online is, which is a big thing for my generation. So I think tech has a big influence on what self-worth is for my generation. Uh, people under the age of 30 grew up with tech. You know, It evolved while we evolved throughout the course of our maturity in our lives. Um, so What's happened is it seems like people my age seemingly live through two different personas or identities in today's culture. You know, the real life persona and their online persona. In real life, the pressure of trying to get a job as quickly as possible and be making money as quickly as possible, you know, tends to clash with the persona of trying to portray, you know, a false identity of wealth and of success at the same time, you know. So that's kind of condition my generation, I would say, to think that that is where worth derives, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think when you look at uh, statistics, like I looked online at the Pew Research Center, I saw that 50% of millennials believe absolutely that there is a God, but 28% of them go to church once a week. So you see kind of the difference in those statistics and I think one of the key things between fixing that is showing them, you know, kind of the contrast of like, you don't have to pursue those things to find worth. You know, it's kind of like that, that beautiful lie the world tells us that that's where worth is derived. And, you know, a lot of it's played a vital role in the rise in depression amongst my generation. Like you can be easily convinced that you don't matter when in reality, in God's eyes, that couldn't be farther from the truth. Yeah, you know, and, and the things that we, um, the, the temporal um, things that we, continue, can, we consider to be super valuable, um, that we tend to hold up there, even when we have them, even when we've got abundance, whether it's um, financially or whether it's, um, it's apparent friends, um, that you know, in the scheme of things, um, if we don't have a relationship with the Lord, we're always going to feel a sense that something's just a little bit amiss at the very least. At the most, things could be, I mean, the world can be crushing, but the very minimum, we always know, regardless of how much we have, um, that, that there's, still, there's still something more that we want. And so that's why even as we acquire wealth and um, and I've been in the wealth management professionally, wealth management world professionally for a lot of years. This is close to, to my experience and my background. Um, that even as we acquire that, it's it's never enough. You know, I mean, there's always somebody out there that has more, can do more, and um, and so it's you know you can get on this treadmill of where you're constantly striving and and working hard to uh, to to create. Uh, create more wealth and have more and then do more, you know, and, and what I've also seen and I've experienced to some extent is this sense that not only is, is it about fulfilling yourself through having things, but also experiencing things. And so, you know, with the great, um, 
this, the great drive that we've seen of people that want to pursue adventures, you know, I mean, whether it's mountain climbing or skydiving or, you know, off-road racing or um, uh, there's just a variety of different things that we do to accomplish things in our lives and to, to experience and, and to provide ourselves experiences. But even assuming that all goes well and you don't hurt yourself doing those things, um, it still leaves you wanting more, you know, and, and especially when it comes to the adrenaline sports, I've seen people, they just keep pushing themselves farther and farther and farther into more risky situations because they're trying to experience more. Um, so we're, you know, we're never really fully fulfilled in our, with our temporal lives. Um, and that's another beauty to what comes with a true understanding and relationship with God is we can find fulfillment, authentic fulfillment, without having to chase after the things of the world, you know, that will never really provide that fulfillment. So there's a, there's a beauty and a wonder to, um, to developing and nurturing our understanding for God um, through knowing more about him through his word. I mean, we've got this wonderful book that stood the test of ages. And, um, and how much time do we spend reading it? Uh, right now steve with that are there any like similarities or what does self-worth look like for your generation and also how has it kind of evolved throughout your life and your experience well you know um the boomers are a pretty broad range of ages um and i'm kind of on the far end of that and so we benefited from you know the big economic boom following world war ii you know we had all those resources in place to um to support the war machine um in both the pacific and europe and turned those resources to producing goods and and services and um, throughout the, and providing them throughout the world. And so that, I mean, it created this huge economic boom that my parents and, and obviously my generation benefited from in a huge way. Um, that coupled with a, you know, a, a society that had a pretty strong work ethic and was largely, you know, here in the U S was largely, a, uh, had Christian values at its core. Um, all that worked together to build this wonderful economic machine. And, um, and so we, you know, we definitely benefited from that. You know, I mean, as far as, you know, the, the vast, um, vast majority of people having, you know, homes and cars and, and having and living at a level that, um, that most of the world had never, um, had never experienced on such a broad scale before. And so, um, so that, that definitely shaped us. And in one of the ways in which it shaped us is it made us, um, very consumer minded and because we had the resources to buy and do whatever we want. And, uh, and so the drawback to that was that the more power that we have economically, the less we will tend to rely upon our faith in God. And so I see that as a period of obviously, you know, uh, robust and, and, um, and really, financially strong um, uh, families and, and, uh, and yet, and, and, but that took us away from that core reliance upon God in a lot of ways. So the churches, we, we, t we saw churches grow, we saw them flourish, but as far as um, the congregants, the people within the church being really, really strong, if, if they hadn't been exposed to adversity and really had to rely upon God themselves, we, we saw the development of a church world that was, um, that was kind of a feel-good experiential type of um, uh, organization or organ series of organizations where people, you go there on Sunday because you'd, you'd get a little bit inspired. You'd, you know, you'd feel, um, you know, like, you know, life, life just felt a little bit better. And in just by virtue of being there, you felt um, like you, you did something good, you know? Um, but as far as really helping people build strong, deep relationships with the Lord that will help sustain them through deep challenges in life, a lot of the churches really didn't accomplish that. And, and I'd say the church in general in America um, 
really didn't accomplish that. And, and so subsequently, the next generation coming up, out of the boomers, you know, um, we saw what is we call the X gen, right? And then, and then into millennials, um, started to drift from those core values. And, um, and, and it's been a constant drift. And, um, and so that's what puts us in this place today where you were just sharing the statistics, that 50% statistic, um, but in uh, only 20% in churches. So if you're going to church and it's not really providing you a real value, um, that's, that's helping you at the core of your life, then why are you going to church? Right. And I think that's the question that a lot of people have asked themselves and subsequently, you know, the answer is, is clear that it's not helping. And so they're not going. So, um, so, but through adversity, we, t it, it tends to clear the fog it, as we face challenges in life and we have less material things or we have the threat of our material things being taken away and we see um we see the the strife and the anxiety that comes with that we are finding a lot of us i think are finding ourselves looking for true peace and fulfillment in other ways and um and so my sense is that there's going to be a good portion of people if we can as we continue to see the world um, facing, faced with so many challenges that are going to be exploring and in looking hard for the real truths in this life that, um, that we find in God's word in the Bible. So one thing I really, um, that caught my attention with what you said, Steve, was consumerism. Because mm -hmm. uh, you look at after World War II with your generation, you had kind of a similar situation that's what has happened with the phone and the internet in my lifetime, but over a longer period of time through the radio and through TV and how consumerism turned into this thing where, you know, these companies want us to search for happiness in things like material items, um, things like, you know, having more, you know, he said, chasing the next best thing. And I think through tech, entertainment, and news, we're conditioned to search for the happy, for happiness in the wrong places through that, you know? And yeah. I, think yeah. when you, oh, I think when you look at my generation, your generation, how we're both, how you've pursued self-worth throughout your lifetime or how your generation has, and you look at what's going on with my generation, it's almost like that consumerism is one of the big driving points of it and how it shape-shifted, you know? Most definitely, yeah. And, and one of the things that has put society at um, such a disadvantage today in, um, in really combating that is the use of um, sophisticated uh, computer algorithms and bots and, and how that's being used to manipulate our thoughts and our behavior through the different forms of media and uh, without us even knowing, you know, and I know, you know, I've talked about that a little bit, but you know, when, you know, when, when you are considering maybe taking a trip or buying something and you happen to, to look at it on a, on a webpage and, you know, in the next two months you're being bombarded with different kinds of ads for it. And, and uh, it just, for those types of things. And um, it's, it puts you at a disadvantage, <laughs> you know? um, and uh, and that's I'm sure that's a lot more sophisticated than I understand, but uh, but I know that uh, it has a big influence, big impact. Yeah, absolutely, and it's like the same thing with what you experienced in your lifetime with you know how advertisements evolved. It was like these companies, their business model was formed around getting you to buy more, to not be mm -hmm. satisfied with what you have. Whereas tech now, social media, phones, their business model is derived around how can we keep their attention on our platforms? How can we steal their attention and keep them focused on, you know, being addicted to scrolling through your timeline, being addicted to your phone? Yeah. You know, those are the things that they strategize. And both those things are just, just taking away from your relationship with God, you know? Yeah, you know, I've also, I've almost come to a point where I, I would use the word um, insidious, you know, 
because when you're in a situation or you're, you're faced with a condition in which, you know, you're not really fully in control because you're being manipulated, there's an insidious side to that, you know, I'm an aspect to that. And um, so we need to, we need to be very much aware of that and uh, be deliberate in, uh, in doing our best to control that on our side individually. Yeah. And I think with that is kind of breaking through that barrier. The answer to it is, you know, teaching others, teaching your generation, teaching my generation, you know, and then also my generation taking um, the counsel of that and understanding that, you know, through your lifetime, you've seen the cycle of it, you know, the more you get, the more you want, Mm -hmm. never satisfied until you realize that God is the only one who can fill that void that you're aimlessly searching to fill through all these things. You're just going to keep going through that cycle with right. my generation. It's like, they're keep, you're keep going to, you're going to keep chasing those likes. You're going to keep chasing right. that attention that comes from that. You know, and, and it's not like we don't have um, a huge amount of evidence to just how empty um, that leaves you. I mean, the pursuit of, of the temporal things in life. I mean, the, um, we've got, I mean, you look at just the, the tremendous number of suicides of people that were prominent members of society that, um, you know, incredibly successful beyond, you know, most people's imaginations, you know, and, and they have access to everything and, and much more freedom to do. And yet, in the face of all that, they choose to take their lives, you know, and we've just, you look at the list of celebrities and, and politicians and people that, um, you know, just over the course of my life, it's just innumerable. I mean, the, the, I just, the faces just scroll through the back of my mind as I'm, I'm saying this. It's just, um, it's the life is, is ultimately, I think the conclusion that, that I've come to is life is ultimately futile apart from God, because you, you know, whatever you're trying to fulfill, whether it's through things or experiences, it's never going to fill that, that hole, that opening that, you know, that emptiness inside of us. Only God can do that. And, and God's there with you always. It's a, it's a matter of welcoming him in and then continuing to nurture and build that relationship with you because that's that's why he made us we exist to be in relationship with him and um and there's nothing more wonderful than to be in that place you know to where you're you know you are in relationship with him it brings everything into an eternal perspective provides an accountability to something much bigger than yourself and I think more importantly, it provides you a promise, an eternal promise of, uh, of something more wonderful than anything you could imagine here on earth. Yeah. And I think um, this kind of leads into the contrast that we want to derive here. You know, how does God define self-worth? And I think when you mm-hmm. surrender the pursuit of self-worth of this world through redemption in Christ, you know, the rules of this game of life we play changes except you're now playing a game of life that actually returns glory when you beat it, when you conquer life. But, you know, before I accepted myself as a child of God and a believer of Jesus, I was never enough. I was going around in a never ending cycle of pleasing others, looking for happiness in places I found hollow, you know, and living a cycle like we've talked about that wasn't really satisfying my true self. I was trying so hard to be good that I couldn't just see the good that was already in me. Now with that, I kind of want to kind of shape an idea of what an identity as a believer in Jesus looks like for our audience. Sure. Now in our, in the most basic terms, um, I think to have an identity as a believer of Jesus, to me, it just means accepting him into your life and allowing him to live through you and give you a new life through the power of the Holy spirit. You know, that's what the cross signifies, right? When we make that step, the Holy Spirit begins in the process of purifying us and leading us to desire more and more of his presence every day. 
You know, Jesus came to set us free from the influence of this world to forgive us of our sins. So we wouldn't have to feel those, that guilt anymore, you know, just feel that joy and comfort from knowing that, you know, he dwells in us. He's living through us. And we don't have to chase these things for worth because we're already worth it in the eyes of God. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, if you've ever talked to, um, I mean, somebody who's a, 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 um, dedicated atheist it's it's always interesting to me anyhow is it to, to to really get to the the core of of their understanding that um that you know when you're dead you're it's all over and there's really nothing nothing exists or happens thereafter as far as you're concerned it's just the end it's just this there's absolutely nothing and then looking back on their lives it's like well you know why what was your purpose? What, you know, why did you exist in this world? And, um, and more often than not, which, you know, here is it, well, you know, it was, um, you know, it was, it was great. I had lots of fun. I mean, it was a big focus on, you know, enjoying life. Um, I got accomplished this or I accomplished that. And, um, and, but, you know, if you take that um, and, and just run it out a little bit further with them, and, and they come to understand that, well, whatever it is that they accomplished or whatever fun they had, well, that, that really is soon enough in the scheme of eternity of time, pretty much useless. I mean, you might do something profound that gets your name on a, a new street that's being paved. Um, but, you know, 500 years from now, I mean, actually... 50 years from now, people probably won't even remember who that person was, whose name was on this, on the street sign. Um, I mean, the accomplish, I mean, you're just, you really haven't had um, a big impact on, or any real impact on the world's eternal, right? So, um, and so, you know, it's in order to really have a, a authentic motivation at your core, for living a uh, a fulfilled life, it, you've got to you've got to grasp the fact that um, that this world and eternity is far bigger than anything that you can really imagine. You know that, um, and that uh, God has the power to through you if you if you choose to pursue that faith and that trust and that belief in Him. God has the power to use you to benefit and impact the world eternally. And, um, and that's obviously through his power working through you in a variety of different ways that we can explore and will explore as we continue on with these podcasts. But, um, but this sense of this, this desire for self-worth and this chasing after things and experiences will always, will always fall short, will never be enough. Um, but when we stop and we face the truth, the real truth, that we are a creation, we are God's creation, and, and he created us because he wants to have a relationship with us, and he wants to love us, that that provides foundation for incredibly fulfilling life that can impact people eternally. Yeah. And I mean, a big part with that too is, you know, understanding that like all that sin of your past, you know, Jesus paid that debt for you with his sacrifice on the cross through his blood, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. what we approach God through. We don't approach God through, you know, if we're doing things that please him more one day, we have a better way to approach him through prayer. We have, it gives us more of a ability to approach him one day when we meet him in heaven. No, what gives you the ability to approach him is that blood that was paid for him on the cross and nothing else adds to that. So that's kind of, I think a huge step for a believer to make is, you know, adding to that is strengthening yourself and serving God as a thank you through your life. You know, Mm-hmm. And it takes that pressure off of you of, you know, trying to please others, trying to, a common thing that I think people can do when they become a Christian and flip that sense of self-worth is they can go 
from trying to please others to trying so hard to pleasing God. And mm-hmm. while it should please you to want to do what pleases God, you also shouldn't feel guilt when you step out of line. You know, when you, when you have mistakes, because the reality is, you know, the sin is a part of our human nature. We're going to sin every single day. But a key thing to understand is not only did God send his son to the cross and pay for our sin through that blood, but he gave us the Holy Spirit and that resurrects us through our sinful desires in the flesh and gives us that new life according to the spirit. You know, and like you said, the truth is, is that God desires a relationship with us. He loves us. And that's what that proves, you know. Um, that's why that's so important. It shows that recognition of that and his compassion for us. And as a believer, taking comfort in your self-worth in the eyes of God is key to understanding that you can't add or subtract from that. He's always going to love you the same, no matter if you bring a bunch of people to him or you know, if you're just somebody who desires him every single day. He's going to love you the same regardless. But when you're doing those acts, you don't have to feel the pressure on your shoulders. But you also nice. just let the, let God live through you. You can take comfort in that because that's the gift he's given you through the Holy Spirit. And, and when, you, um, when you allow yourself, and, um, and I shouldn't say it's more than allow yourself because, I mean, having, um, having an authentic relationship with God requires some effort on your part. You know, there's, there's a reliance upon God. There's reliance on the Holy Spirit. There's, um, there's a putting aside of your own will and submitting to his will in your life. Um, but it's important to understand that it requires some effort on our part. But that effort, um, it produces, it results in what feels like, um, what can feel like effortless service to God um, that is so incredibly um, redeeming and so incredibly fulfilling. And, um, you know, I was just thinking, um, you know, Paul wrote in, you know, to, the, to the church at Philippi in the Philippians 120, he says, my eager desire and hope bring that I may never feel ashamed, but that now as ever I may do honor to Christ in my own person by fearless courage. And, and so, you know, Paul's indicating that, you know, there is, um, there is a courage that comes with our, um, with our relationship with God. God instills that in us and gives us a boldness and a strength to, um, to at, the, at the very base level, to endure the challenges of life and to deal with them well and to deal with them in peace. And, um, and that comes by a true understanding of his eternal perspective and his desires for us and his love for us. Um, that provides the foundation for really fearless courage in this world. And um, with the challenges that we're facing right now in our society around the globe, um, fearless courage, it, it sounds pretty appealing to me. You know, it's pretty important um, because we are, um, as, as societies around the world, we're experiencing great fear. And subsequently, or consequently, um, lots of bad behavior and, um, and lots of emotional pain and even physical pain with some of the, the more recent um, situations we've seen in the major cities around our nation. And so, um, so fearless courage is, is priceless. And that comes through our relationship with God by honoring his son, Christ. And, um, and uh, it's, it's where, it's what we want to have right now, being in a place where God's, God's shining his light upon us. The power of the Holy Spirit is within us where we can be, uh, we can have fearless courage, and that that provides us as as Christians, as, as Christians that have been working for years, also um, uh, to develop and nurture that relationship with God. It provides us an opportunity to help others, to shine, and to to look beyond circumstances and um, and all of the implications um, of those circumstances and all of the. Um, the unknown and the uncertainty of those circumstances to an understanding that, Hey, God's, God's got this. 
You know, he, he's got a big plan for every one of us. Um, each one of us is unique and is loved by him and um, has a plan for each of us. And it, he, will see it, he will see it through um, if we allow him, if we, if we put him first and we, uh, we become selfless and emptied of ourselves so that he can, he can use us. Amen. And, um, yeah. I think one thing I really want to focus on here, because I think what we've kind of defined is that what an identity in Jesus looks like in this life is an identity in the Holy Spirit. Now, I read a book recently. It was called The Saving Life of Christ by Major W. Ian Thomas. There's a quote in here that I think is a really good thing to take in mind with that. He says, live every situation relating it wholly to what he is in you. Now, what he's referring to is the Holy Spirit. Live every situation relating it to what holy he is in you. You know, um, now... I want to tie that in with Romans 12 too, where Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by the testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now with that, I think growing in that desire more and more every single day for God and letting the Holy spirit live through you every step of the way is such an important aspect of, you know, living every moment through what God is in you, you know, transforming your mind to him, as Paul says. And yeah, you know, I'm so glad that you went to Romans 12. I think that Paul lays out um, some great, a great picture, great examples of what it really looks like to live as a Christian. Still, you know, still broken, still imperfect, still prone to sin, but, uh, but desiring to have a relationship, to, to nurture their relationship with God. Yeah. He's yeah. very helpful. A key thing I think with that for people to understand is, you know, Jesus died on the cross so that our sins could be given, forgiven through his blood. But God resurrected him so that we could be resurrected into this new life. And that's an important thing I think is, you know, and how we combat these problems and how we live our lives is through knowing that we were resurrected with Jesus, you know, um, mm-hmm. living through that Holy Spirit. And it's, it's a two-step process there. You know, the day you were saved by grace from God and you accepted Jesus in your heart, it doesn't stop there. The gift of the Holy Spirit gives you new life on this earth. And when you live your, your identity through that, when you take every step of the way in comfort, knowing that you are in Christ and he's inside of you slowly, but surely, you know, God will, you know, continue to grow you, continue to grow your desire for him. And, you know, I think you'll find yourself having a new walk a new talk a new love for one another a new strength and all in all a new outlook in life, because you've been resurrected from the old life you lived trying to please the world and you've been given a new one in the spirit of God and nothing will separate you from that. You know, faith in Christ not only brings justification for God, but also growth in the Christian life until we are completely glorified by God and set free from sin, delivered from sin through the cross and through the Holy spirit. You know, we can be, we can be assured of that and we can take confidence and comfort that we're going to be declared righteous before God. Because as Paul says in second Corinthians five, five, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. You know, that Holy Spirit inside of you is that deposit that that is like that proof, you know, where, you know, God is working in you. And that's where you just got to let God live through you. You got to be available to that. Availability, I think, is the biggest thing to understand. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's a great way to, I mean, you've, you've done a great job of kind of painting what I had, um, I had talked about a little bit earlier at the beginning of the podcast. It's just, it's this, um, it's this understanding of the bigger picture, you know, and that it's, that it's so much bigger than the, the challenges of our day-to-day lives and um, that God wants to be interwoven in 
the, the very fabric of everything that is our lives. And, um, and that, uh, you know, we, once we do that, when we submit ourselves to the truths of, um, of Jesus' sacrifice upon the cross and his resurrection and the promise that came with that, that, um, that the differences, whether we're looking at generational differences, cultural, racial, um, economic level differences, um, those go away. I mean, when you look at the, when you consider the gravity and the magnitude of what, um, what God's desire is for us, um, and, and how, how much he loves us and his desire for us to have um, these um, truly uh, rich and fulfilling lives, um, that the differences fade away. You know, and, and it seems like whenever, uh, if you look at any human conflict, um, the greatest remedy to that is to take our eyes off of the opposer and turn them to Jesus and in doing that, and this sounds so simplistic, I know, but in doing that and really following through with that as far as studying God's word and, and praying and submitting yourself to his will, that the conflict, the clash goes away. And <laughs> um, what happens, what, what follows that is we come together because we have a common vision of the truth of the promises of eternity in God's desire to be with us in fellowship with us now and forever. So Steve, with that, you know, in a fallen world, which so many are struggling morally, the concept behind the cross can feel both convicting and confusing for people, you know, and it's crucial mm -hmm. to understand mm -hmm. that this concept means through God's unmerited love, we are saved and yeah. given this new life. And yeah. through his grace, and not by acts or good works. Why do you think this is important for somebody just starting a relationship with Jesus or somebody who, you know, has been a believer and they're looking to, you know, take that next step? Well, I think one of the reasons why it's important is that, you know, in, in our fallen nature, we, we know, we understand that we are broken that we are sinful by nature. And with that comes a degree of, um, of shame, uh, a degree of conviction, and we deal with that in lots of different ways, right? Um, but, uh, but we need to understand that that in no way is, um, is an impediment to us. It should, in, it should in no way, anyhow, be an impediment to us accepting God, accepting Christ, accepting the Holy Spirit, and and beginning to, and giving our lives over to him and beginning to pursue him. That there's absolutely nothing that we've done or can do that will separate us from the love of God. And, um, and that our, our consciences are there for reason to help keep us on the right track. But in and of themselves, never enough to actually keep us on the right track, right? So, um, so it's just it's an understanding that God is bigger than anything that we've done in His and in, in the sacrifice that Jesus made upon the cross, the blood that was shed for us, the pain that was endured for us was powerful enough to to erase, to eliminate, to forgive any sin that we've ever committed in the course of our life. Yeah. And I mean, that hope changes everything about a person. And it's not just because of the positive thinking that someone from the outside might looking in or looking in might think about the faith, but you know, it's just so important to understand that salvation is not based on the sin of your past or the choices or experiences that you've made in the past, the choices and experiences that you're making right now. But that grace also presents another temptation we must not succumb to and let ourselves get tricked by. Galatians 5.13 says, For you, will call, you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now, what do you think that temptation could be, Steve, that Paul's referring to? 
You know, I think that for for those that have dipped their their toes into the the world of Christianity and the Bible, I think that um, you know you 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 hear um, sermons and you read um, of God's grace and forgiveness and um, and you're so grateful for that and um, what people one of the the pitfalls that people can fall into is this idea that, well, you know, there's nothing that God can't forgive and Jesus has, you know, paid the price. And we tend to even sometimes I think subconsciously uh, allow that to um, cause us to let our guard down. And, um, and that can let us slide back into perhaps um, a sinful behavior or, um, or losing a sense of grace and love for those around us. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that can manifest itself, but mentally it's this mindset of, Hey, well, I'm forgiven. So, you know, if I make a mistake, it's really not that big a deal. Right. Well, yeah, it is a big deal. I mean, you know, sin is sin and it is deeply offensive to our God and it shows a lack of respect and a lack of appreciation for the phenomenal sacrifice that was made for our salvation our eternal salvation. Yeah, and so much of this is, I think, the meat and basis for a lot of Paul's letters that he wrote. You see mm-hmm. a repeated theme mm-hmm. of, in the early churches, you know, certain churches receiving the grace of God and perceiving it originally as like, oh, because I'm forgiven for my sins, because God's going to love me regardless, I can just go live this life of sin. But it couldn't be farther from the truth because it's important not to receive that grace in vain. You know, you want to receive it and live your life as a thank you from that point on, because what that grace ultimately means is God, like we've talked about, God desires a relationship with us, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's where being available to the Holy spirit and allowing him to live through you is what's going to deliver you from those sins and let you live that life of a thank you to him, serving him and glorifying him through that, letting him work through you. Right. Yeah. You know, and is if you haven't, you know, if, if you haven't spent a lot of time in the Bible and been involved in Bible studies or, you know, been in church as much and, you know, you, you know, this whole, the whole concept of God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Trinity can seem pretty foreign. Um, and, it's important to know that God's God's intellect, God's mental power, is is far beyond our comprehension, and so we can we can try and explain the Trinity, those the three entities of God, in a variety of different ways. But the bottom line is that we're not meant to fully comprehend what that really means, just to understand that it is true. And um, and that uh, that we're to we're to understand Jesus's role. We're to understand the Holy Spirit, which was uh, which he and actually Jesus and all three of them being God. Whenever you speak of one, you're really speaking of all three. But we have certain attributes and certain things that each of the three do, right? So so Jesus um, obviously came and walked and preached and gave his life, um, but at the same time. He was there at creation, you know, um, and so uh, he is our creator as well. Holy Spirit's been everywhere all the time, right? Uh, so you've got that omnipresence of the Holy Spirit, but also he's dwelling in us individually. Um, and so, um, so yeah, different attributes, the different aspects of God. Um, and uh, it's just important to, to know that you don't have to fully comprehend that. And, uh, and that's a little bit of a relief to some people. Yeah. And I think I love what you said about, you know, the Bible too, because that's the one thing, that's a way that we make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit, you know, is by opening our Bible every day, learning about Jesus, seeking to know more and more about Jesus's life every single day, because Jesus is the model for what the Holy Spirit looks like in man, you know? the model for what Mm. God desired as far as a relationship with man. Yes. Completely being obedient and available to God and doing everything to please God. 
you know, and the more we open our Bibles, the more we seek to know about his life, the more we seek to know about his love, his love for us through his sacrifice, the more we'll be fueled through the Holy Spirit to desire to be like that, to grow in our love for others, you know, and that's where the Christian liberty, it becomes not, not something where it's a temptation to um, just do whatever you want and know you're going to go to heaven regardless but something where it's the freedom to serve one another in love like Jesus did, to embody, to be like Jesus. And know that because he's in you, that you can do that. Mm -hmm. Now God's going to make available to you all that you make available to him. Mm -hmm. Yes. You need to, you need to understand your role and that it's not a role of passivity. It's not a role of laziness. It's a role of commitment in active pursuit of God um, at the same time, relying upon him fully as you put one step and one foot in front of the other and um, continuing to reach forward in life. Now, Steve, kind of closing out here, using this wisdom of what it means to be a child of God. I think the question we got to close out is how can each generation of believers, your generation and mine come together and be one body of Christ, move the church forward with Jesus leading the way that through that Holy Spirit, you know? Mm -hmm. I think the answer to that, that can be answered with one word, and that is simply grace. And um, the, uh, the, the finger pointing that goes on, the, uh, the accusations, the, uh, the focus upon the differences between people, um, if we continue to focus, then those those differences get more and more amplified and seem to be more and more significant. Um, but grace, God's grace working through us, um, minimizes those things, reduces them, and then eliminates them when we finally capture, when we finally apprehend the true view of God's perspective that he has made us he's created us each of us in his image and his desire is to be in relationship with us his desire is for us to understand the breadth and the depth of his love for us and that in our understanding of that that i understand he has those exact same feelings and desires of relationship with you tyler that he has with me and and in knowing that, it puts aside these other differences, which as we, as we do put them aside and we step away, we realize that, hey, in the scheme of eternity, in the, scheme of, in, in, the, in the view of our God, these are insignificant. And it allows us, it frees us to really have, um, have a, a, um, an open, uh, caring, uh, heart-filled communication in, in a relationship with one another intergenerationally, you know, um, it, it breaks down the barriers. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, you look at, we talked about earlier, the pursuit of self-worth in worldly terms. And one thing I can see between both generations is that it's fueled by self-pride, by the desire to you know, be someone important or do something important. It's that demon of pride that is shape-shifting and attacking both the older generation and the younger generation in different ways. And ultimately, we're all chasing the same thing when we're not looking towards God. It's just different contexts, you know? Right. And I like what yeah. you said about grace because until we start realizing that the game of life in which we play has a common enemy amongst all of us and it's not each other, you know, mm -hmm. it's nice. sin until we start realizing that we won't transition and look at what the Bible calls us to look at each other as in the body of a church. And that's, you know, members of our church family being on the same levels of our own family. You know, that first Timothy verse, treat elders as fathers and the younger generation as brothers. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have a responsibility as God's children to seek counsel from the older generation so that we can move the church forward you know, after you guys, while simultaneously, like the older generation, simultaneously, the older generation has that responsibility of bringing up the younger generation, you know, 
And the biggest thing that is standing between us and doing that is that pride, you know, that Mm -hmm. of pride. And that's the same enemy that we're all facing right now. But the coolest thing like we've talked about is that we don't have to will ourselves to do this. We don't have to think it's something that we have to accomplish. You know, God will do it for us through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He'll move the church. He'll lead the church for us. We just have to motivate each other, lift each other up to be available to him. You know, in fellowship, I think availability to God is the biggest thing across the board that we all need to teach and motivate each other to be. Yeah, but when there's so many distractions and so the, so many ways to focus your attention in other areas, um, it's gotten more and more challenging to be available to God. Yeah, yeah abs- absolutely. And just kind of running across the board here is like you have to be disciplined. That's where you talked about it is God gave us free will for that reason. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's not like we're just robots. Yeah. And that's where, you know, in order to desire God and to make that step to be available to him, you have to make it a practice to open your Bible every day, to have a relationship and talk to him in prayer. Also, when we look at both generations, fellowship is the biggest thing that we need to focus on between the older and the younger generation and coming together and being available to God through the Holy spirit and how God will teach us through that fellowship to lead each other, you know? So whether that be, you know, my generation reaching out to your older generation, more often for counsel, making that a priority or the older generation, you know, looking for opportunities to disciple people my age and bring them up. That's something that we have to put first before all else, you know, and continue to motivate each other. in. that is what we're called to, you know, I mean, to be selfless. But one of the things that that's been um, just a beautiful aspect of, of being um, a Christian is that God, God opens up your, um, your heart and your eyes um, to the needs of others and, um, and how, how great it is to, to have uh, the desire to really reach out and help other people and to see their lives improve. And, um, and to have to, again, coming back to what we were talking about earlier in that to, to have a uh, eternal impact, um, you know, and if you consider, I mean, consider it through the course of your life that maybe, maybe if only through the course of your life, you helped one person really have the assurance of heaven, of an eternity with God, man, there's a, there's a life fulfilled in that one accomplishment. What a beautiful accomplishment. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think the key thing with that is too, it's like we can never see the full picture, you know, of how God is using us to work in the lives of others or how others are affected by just the smallest little actions of faith. But we can take that faith in the fact that God is using us to serve others. Yeah. That's fulfilling. Now, I think that about wraps it up for episode one here for us. Uh, Episode two, we're going to be coming out with growing in our love through the Holy Spirit, what that looks like, what those spiritual disciplines that come with that are, you know, kind of like diving a little bit deeper into the topic of, you know, how do we let God allow us to love others like he does, you know, and grow towards that? Yeah, that's that you know if if we look at that through the lens of trying to do that on our own it's daunting <clears throat> i think you know i mean it's it's really not possible apart from god and so i look forward to to digging into um to what what god how god wants to use us and how do we position ourselves to be shaped and to be used by him yeah and so with that steve do you want to close us out here in prayer Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Lord, we thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. We thank you for this time together. This time to um, to try a little deeper into our understanding of your will and your ways <clears throat> for us individually and collectively, for recognition of the challenges that um, that we face in this world and the means by which we can overcome them. 
And, um, and so, Lord, for each person listening here today, I lift them up to you and pray that um, you will help them to draw a little bit closer to you, gain a little better understanding for your unconditional, immense love for them, and uh, help that shape them deep inside and strengthen them to, um, to really live uh, a life that is, um, that is so full and so fulfilled for you, Lord. And um, it's in Jesus' name we ask this now. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Mm-hmm. We'll see you at episode two. Thanks for listening and excited to, to talk with you guys again.